Hi, Clutter Fairy fans. This is the Clutter Fairy Weekly for September 21st, 2021. I'm your co-host, Ed Gumnick, and I'm speaking with Gail Goddard, certified professional organizer and owner of the Clutter Fairy in Houston, Texas. Hi, everybody. The Clutter Fairy Weekly is a webcast and podcast where we dig deep into the clutter that stands between people and the lives they want to be living. We aim to make sense of where so much stuff comes from in the first place. And we offer strategies to slow down the accumulation, reduce the collection, and comfortably manage the stuff we choose to keep. We rely heavily on the questions and topic suggestions we get from you, our viewers and listeners. If you're joining us in the Zoom meeting for the first time, you can share your comments and questions via the chat, and I'll try to make sure Gail gets to them before we move on to another topic. You can also use the raise hand feature to let me know if you'd like to ask a question or make a comment yourself via audio or video. We're streaming the webcast live on Facebook, so you can also share your questions and comments there, and I'll relay them. And during the webcast each Tuesday, you can talk to us by phone by calling 669-900-6833. Use meeting ID 993-419-863 and password clutter to join the meeting. We're going to start, as we usually do, by recapping the weekly tittle from two weeks ago, which was mm -hmm. called Break Down a Barrier 2. The assignment was to identify, clarify, and break down a barrier to entry in your decluttering or organizing process. And we offered a few suggestions for how to get started on that. We want to hear from our participants who are with us live in Zoom and Facebook. Did anyone tackle a task this week that you've been meaning or wanting to do but never seem to be able to start? Please let us know in the comments. Jean on YouTube reported, I took heavy and unneeded stuff out of top shelves in kitchen cabinets. And Livmo wrote, for my tittle assignment, I removed items from high shelves in my utility room storage area. I'm 52 years old and five feet tall. I am used to having to climb to reach things, but decided the less I need a ladder, the better. That's a good, good point. I have been removing anything I am not actively using. So the only stored items are a few small boxes of Christmas ornaments and tax documents. I placed off season and infre infrequently needed clothing items into a larger piece of luggage that I no longer use for travel. And that rolled neatly under the shelves. Thanks for the inspiration. Great work scaling the stuff to your height without a ladder. You're making it work for your height as well as changing it so that you don't have to get on the ladders often. I think that's some good long-term planning for your continued use of the kitchen. And stashing the off-season clothes in a luggage under your shelves is so smart. You can roll that luggage out anytime you want to get into it. No lifting and you can climb. You don't have to climb up to get it. It's great adaptations. Roll it out, open it up, get what you need, roll it back in. That's awesome. Good job. Excellent. Jane said, my goal was to drop off a box of donations at an assistance league shop that had been closed for months. They specifically benefit the schools here, and I had saved specific items to take there. So glad to have that box gone. After decluttering again last weekend, I now have another box and four bags of, of donations to take this week. Dropping off last week's box was motivating. Yay, right? Like when it finally clears out and you have the empty space, congratulations on getting that done. I know that that is a stalling point for a lot of people. So good on you and keep the momentum going and get all, make it a habit that you go the rest of the way and take it finally out to its next destination. Good job. Everybody's doing so good. Joyce said, I did some mending. One of my husband's suit pants that have been unavailable for many years. I hope it still fits him. <laughs> that's that's yeah. rough when you go to the trouble of, of fixing something and then try it on and it doesn't fit anymore. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to put your um, you know, I don't want to put your husband out, but maybe you'll have a conversation about needing to lose weight after you put on the pants. <laughs> Rowan said, I'm working on cleaning out my fridge, just cooked four pounds of tofu, dredged in cornstarch flour, fried in a little oil, we'll freeze it, now onto the five pounds of carrots, and working on the 10 pounds of onions. Wow, that's a, I didn't realize that uh, tofu would freeze after it was cooked, that's interesting. Awesome, good way to stash yourself up for the winter. Right. Too bad we're not there to help you eat some of that stuff, it sounds like you're having <laughs> fun cooking. <laughs> 
Okay, I think it, we should uh, move on to a, a viewer comment that okay. we wanted to, to share or comment or question. In our September 7th episode, we talked about establishing temporary storage solutions to manage stuff that we're keeping while we're still in the process of determining how much we're going to end up with. And we received a, a great follow-up question to that discussion, and I'd like to get your response to it. Hot Mess Mom TV on YouTube writes, That's a hilarious name. Not sure if there's a way to determine this, but where would we draw the line between, re, uh, between resorting to temporary solutions to get through the paralysis and overwhelm and having to duplicate our time and efforts by going back to convert those temporary solutions into permanent solutions? Kind of like the touch at once principle. Are there any particular situations in which you'd honor that or disregard it for temporary momentum? It's a really thoughtful question. I get that you don't want to duplicate effort and we sort of get drummed into our heads, you know, only handle it once. And there's 4 million variations of that conversation. And so <clears throat> I get that you are concerned about being effective and efficient and not duplicating any work, but in the grand scheme of things, once you've pared everything down and put it where it needs to go, trading out one more permanent container for the temporary one isn't really a big time suck. So think of trading out a makeup stash from a few cardboard containers that you stuck in the drawer um, to a new clear acrylic versions. Maybe it'd take 10 minutes to pull out the cardboard container stuck in the drawer and transfer the items into the new container. The time eating work, the stuff that you burn so much time is in the sorting and the trashing and the paring down the volume of stuff. After that, installing it in containers is a much less time consuming event. And you can trade out one container today and another one tomorrow and so on. There's no need to replace all the containers at once. And so that lets you spend a little bit of time changing them out when you have a minute. I think it really minimizes how much time you're gonna use um, trading temporary to permanent. And it really is the low effort task at the end of the job. <clears throat> so I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about it too much. Basically. I think that whatever duplicate you're doing of you put it into temporary boxes and you're going to take it out and put it in another temporary box, or you're going to take it out and put it into a, a wall hanging unit, or you're going to take it out and put it into shelves or whatever. You may spend an hour or two making that happen and fluffing it, but that's sort of like, you know, tying the bow on the ribbon of the box at the end. And it's a very satisfying and fun amount of time to spend. And so while it may be a slight duplication of effort, it will be a rewarding one. And so I don't think you're going to mind it as much as you think. Um, you did mention using temporary solutions to get past the overwhelm and the paralysis. And I think that is the most important focus when it comes to getting organized. You don't let worrying about the containers interrupt your momentum. If you can stop to deal with getting new containers as you go along without derailing your forward motion, then go ahead. But notice if that process stalls your work or helps it keep going. You definitely don't want to restall yourself if you are fighting against or find it difficult to get started or get rolling, or you get easily overwhelmed and shut down. So you should always err in terms of keeping your forward momentum and accomplishing the broader task of getting through stuff, sorting it, organizing it, getting things out of the way. Um, you always want to keep that forward momentum going. So making sure that you stay out of paralysis and overwhelm is always the number one priority. And, and if you have to duplicate some effort later, it'll be some, it'll just think of it as the reward at the end that <laughs> you get to go install the new storage containers or storage systems. And it'll be, uh, it'll be more fun. Don't give yourself a hard time about duplicating the effort because compared to the rest, it's the fun part. <laughs> That's what I think about it. Well, and a, a couple of thoughts I would add to that. One is I think she was looking for a sort of a dividing line. And I think a dividing line might be if you are setting up a temporary solution, make sure you only put the work into it that 
it merits as a temporary solution. So if you find mm-hmm. yourself getting into too much complexity, stop. Or detail, yeah. Yeah. If you find yourself spending too much time on the temporary solution, stop. Mm-hmm. You can at least reduce the amount of effort you will duplicate later when you mm-hmm. go to the permanent solution. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And you may have to, you know, you do a temporary sorting in piles and then you'll have to do a, another round of work and organizing once you get the more detailed solution in place. So it may be that the temporary solution is just a, a parking space or a stair step on the way to being more detailed about the solution. But again, forward momentum is more important. And if you have to duplicate your effort later, it'll be okay. You'll be, you'll always be duplicating it with less and less stuff because you keep uh, sorting and purging and relocating things. And the con- the amount of stuff that you're rehandling will get smaller and smaller as you work. And so um, don't give yourself a hard time. Samudra <laughs> added, either all of my solutions are temporary or life goes awfully fast. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) I think life goes awfully fast. I think that's a good point of view. Yeah. When we say, when we talk about permanent storage solutions, we're even using permanent in quotation marks. (laughs) Right. It's a euphemism for longer lasting than the other ones. Yeah. Okay. Let's get to our main topic. Okay. When we talk about collecting, we usually mean the deliberate accumulation of items in a narrow category like shot glasses, postcards, beanie babies. But sometimes we end up with a so-called collection without even trying, a cupboard full of coffee mugs. Someone mentioned travel mugs in in Mm -hmm. a recent comment. Mm -hmm. 17 kinds of body wash or enough wrapping paper to get us through the next 20 Decembers. In our main topic today, we're going to talk about sources of unintentional collections and offer solutions for getting them under control. We've all collected something in our lives. Maybe it's candles, maybe it's China sets. I'm always amazed that people collect sets of China, frankly. Maybe it's your favorite craft supplies. These have been intentional collections based on your interest or passion for a subject. You've sought them out and bought the various pieces to build a collection, but we also end up with collections that spring up without our meaning to gather them. I want to look at how they come to be, how you can see them forming, and what to do to stop or control them. Um, Our viewers had some few options, suggested options of what would qualify as these kind of collections. Karen Baker said last uh, July, when you buy a couple of similar things and other people decide you have a collection, so they buy more for you as gifts. That is definitely a, a collection that you do not start, but your family and friends perpetuate for you. Um, Lorraine, I'm sorry, Lorraine Perkins in July of 2020 said plastic storage containers. So, oh my gosh, 100% true because we all buy sets of storage containers and then we end up with a million other storage containers that practically materialize out of thin air i don't know how they happen well but some of the the, uh, rest you know restaurant supply has has been producing better and better carry out things you know i when i say better i mean heavier and yeah, you know, it's more using, durable. <laughs> using more plastic, unfortunately, but you know, really substantial carryout things that you feel terrible even throwing in recycling. Well, and and the the, the butter container out of the that gets used and washed and put away, and oh my gosh! So plastic storage containers, they breathe, they multiply, and you buy some, and then they also appear in your house unintended. Um. Here's some other piles that manufacture out of thin air, uh, electronic detritus like power cords and charging cables, network cables, remnants of old internet setups, that whole crazy box of unidentified cables. <laughs> Nobody knows what to do with and everybody's afraid to throw away. 
um, office supplies, especially giveaway pins, because everybody buys the pin and puts their business logo on it, and then the pins get given away everywhere. So there's a lot of those kind of pins floating around. Um, arts and craft supplies, blank notebooks and journals, all those kinds of office supplies that sort of gather and appear out of nowhere. Canned and dry food, herbs and spices, and specialty foods like coffees and teas or olive oils and vinegars. Coffee and tea, like there's a lot of people that have little boxes of tea in infinite variety in their house somewhere. And I don't know if it's like they, if it's one of those that got grown by their family started giving them tea as a gift because they drank tea or if they collect the tea because it all has a cool sounding name or it smells good or whatever, but everybody has this huge collection of tea in their house and nobody's drinking it that fast. I'm just saying the only person I know that drinks tea twice a day is Margaret Harrell, my English friend who drinks tea every day. And she's the only person that ever actually runs out of tea. Another example is um, information collections like business cards or clipped articles or recipes. And here's the favorite one that Ed came up with, which is spare parts. So you want to hang a picture and you buy a package of 10 little picture hangers. So you use one of them. And then the other nine go in a bin or a Ziploc bag or a drawer with the spare twist ties and the leftover washers and drill bits. I think that's a great example of little bitty bits that end up in a pile somewhere in the junk drawer or in the you know toolbox waiting to be used again. These are all great examples of unintentional collections growing out of nothing. And here's a great one to discuss today this is seriously ramped up since the lockdown began and i'm talking about takeout food supplies we've all had so much more food delivered or as takeaways and each meal coming to our home comes with a plastic utensil packets you know the little here's the fork and knife and the little folded napkin and the salt and pepper b the condiment packages like soy sauce or ketchup or whatever and c a million extra napkins all of your restaurants are trying to be generous and make sure you're prepared to eat your food so they overstuff your bag with utensils, ketchup packets, and four million napkins. One of my clients has two shopping bags filled to overflowing just with the utensil packets. They never use them, preferring to use their own utensils to the plastic ones, but they don't want to waste them. So they collect them in bags and they have no further distribution in mind. <laughs> well, they, they think someday they'll have a picnic Right. And of and course, 150. Right. <laughs> when they have their picnic, they'll be able to invite everyone they know and hand On them the their napkin and fork, <laughs> uh, their napkin and spork and knife. <laughs> That's um, so true. Oh my God. Dearly beloved older sister says, uh, I feel personally called out that you use paintbrushes in the graphic. <laughs> Sorry, Ann. <laughs> Jane said, I am guilty of collecting dog beds for my spoiled chihuahua. Dog, oh. to dog pet toys are one that we didn't put on the list, but boy. Yeah, we should that, have. Yeah, that, that can, is an unintentional collection for sure. Yeah. That and then one day you realize they're like nuts. Right. And you realize they're everywhere. And so you go get a basket and you start putting them all in a basket. And then you realize the basket you got is not big enough to hold <laughs> all the stuff that the animal has. And you got to go get a bigger basket. Like, yeah. OMG. Yeah. My dog has more fun stuff than I do. <laughs> well, anyone who's eaten burgers occasionally knows that they end up with 200 ketchup packets in the fridge butter drawer. Or in the junk drawer, along with all the leftover soy sauce packets and chopsticks from the Chinese takeout. We don't want to waste this stuff. That's the hardest part. We could use it next time. And so we save them. Except that the restaurant always puts too many in there. And we never have to use the extras. So our house becomes this backwater pool of leftover plastic utensils and ketchup packets. And an unintentional collection is born. And I swear every house I've ever been in, I can go straight to the ketchup packet collection in their house. There's always one. And there's always some stash of little plastic utensil things shoved in the pantry, in a drawer, in a closet, somewhere. Waiting, breeding in place like a little mushroom collection that's behind a door growing. 
Oh, sorry. I'm very itchy today. The next surprise collection is bath products. Bath and Body Works or the bath section at Target or Walmart has made a business on changing the scent in body wash and bubble bath. We find so many smells appealing and we think to need, we need to get them all. Then they run a sale on, you know, if you buy three bottles, you get money off. And so we go home with 15 different scents, twice as many bottles than we can use in the next three years. And we go back to the next quarterly sale for 15 more cents. And it becomes a flavored inventory of soap that we'll never use up in our lifetime. We get totally bamboozled by the infinite scent variety. Um, this is one that if you do the math about how long it's going to take you to use up all of these, you will realize that they will still be washing your body for 27 years after you're dead because you will never use it all up. And so this is one where I suggest that you take that kind of stuff and support your local women's shelter. You can't take a half used bottle of Goodwill, a bottle of soap to Goodwill and expect Goodwill to put it out for sale, but you can take stuff like that to a shelter and let someone use it that, that needs it. And so finding a place where you're comfortable taking that kind of stuff and clearing it with them, like making sure that they're willing to receive what you have. Um, it may take a little bit, but it's a great way to make sure somebody uses it because it's just going to die in your, in your closet. And who was telling us this weekend that somebody went into the guest bathroom and used the shampoo that was in the guest bathroom and came out saying, what is in that shampoo in the guest bathroom that the <laughs> scent had turned. And so he still washed his hair with it, but it smelled awful. Oh my! So it was like, yeah, I can't remember who told us that story, but anyway, I missed that. It was uh, hilarious. And, and it was some, you know, young man who came out going, why does the shampoo smell so awful? <laughs> and it had died sitting there waiting to be used. And so um, better that you take some of that infinite variety and pass it along and recognize you can only bathe so many times a day. Here's the source of another fake collection. You Well, we used to go to business meetings or conferences out of town. Of course, we've all been on hold for 2020, which is good. It means that your collection hasn't grown. But the latest and greatest swag gift for attendees at one of those conferences or events was a metal water bottle or an insulated travel coffee mug. Or if they're cheap organizers, a regular coffee mug. So environmentally friendly. What a great place to put a logo. Such a useful thing to have after the conference. Oh, and there's a pretty one at Target with a holiday theme. And here's a super fancy one or advertised on Facebook. You can't throw them away. They're brand new and they're so useful. I'll bet you have an entire cabinet shelf dedicated to these bottles or mugs that you never use. Or two of them get used and 37 never see the light of day. I really don't know what to tell you about us disposing of these because everyone has this collection in their house and they don't need yours. So the usual, give it to my friends, offer it to the, you know, send it to Goodwill. Goodwill is drowning in them too. And I think that the, the ultimate solution for these is going to be someplace where, uh, you know, here's a church and they offer a community meal to a hundred people once a month or, Here's a refugee program where they're uh, refitting people's houses after they lost everything in the fire or they're moving to this country and they don't have anything and they help fill the house with stuff. Uh, putting it into new homes that don't already have their own collection is what I mean. And so that may be how you can pass them along. Sending them on to Goodwill, I think, is just going to add to a very large backwash that's already there. Yeah. If, if you, if you know somebody doing a garage sale, you can hand them off to sell for five cents a piece or something, but right. <laughs> then they'll give all the ones that didn't sell to Goodwill. Right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the holiday themed accidental collection is next. Uh, my mother used to buy fresh Christmas wrap every year. And when the kids were little, of course, they go through that um, the kids are selling, uh, you know, Christmas 
wrap, which really means the parents are selling it as a fundraiser for something at the school. I like and, that you said she bought fresh Christmas wrap because it's really yeah. important that it be fresh, fresh and crispy. People can tell <laughs> if you give them a gift that's wrapped in stale paper. <laughs> true oh my gosh that's so true but she would get at least two or three more rolls of paper like she needed it and and she did not and so the last three holidays before she died we made a concentrated effort to use what she had and i took all of my gifts there and i used her wrappings and she refrained from buying anything new i was very proud of her and we wrapped well over 60 gifts each year for those three years we cut generously wide around the gifts and we threw away small leftovers. We used excessive amounts of ribbons and bows. We pulled out gift bags galore. And after three years of intense use, we had barely made any room in her wrapping paper box. It was like we had hardly wrapped a thing. I was trying so hard and we never ran out of anything ever. It was astonishing, truly. <laughs> and the moral of that collection story is, you don't want to keep buying it just because they came out with more of it. Use up what you bought already and be before you buy something new. And there's going to be paper that you have that goes into your Christmas box that you really are never going to use again. If your grandkids are no longer three years old, that little paper that you bought for them when they were little babies is never going to come up again for the next 20 years until those grandbabies have babies. And so you need to pass that on to somebody that needs that now and, you know, get clear out whatever you can. <clears throat> Stop buying Christmas paper. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> the pandemic created a funny accidental collection too. Lots of us have a large stockpile of toilet paper right now. There was certainly a collection that no one intended to have, Sure, we all have a stash of toilet paper normally, but our fear of running out in 2020 meant that we seriously overbought that supply. I've been in so many homes that have teetering towers of toilet paper standing in a room somewhere about to fall on someone's head. It's going to take some time for that supply to run down. And I, I literally mean like they've stacked three or four on the bottom and then they've just gone up and up and up and up and they can barely reach to put one on the top. And it's going to take years and a lot of little old lady trips to the bathroom to get through all that toilet paper that's what i'm saying that was totally unintentional and completely born out of our fear from the pandemic and so hopefully that collection will bleed down through use and you can stop buying toilet paper now they adjusted the supply they made it work it's all fine <clears throat> here's one i thought about too because it's getting close to holiday time does your mom still give you a new set of winter PJs every holiday? But the latest ones are just a year old and you only wore them for two months. You never give the PJs away because they were a gift. And now your dresser is crammed full of PJs picked by someone else, worn for a season and shoved in the drawer to make room for this year's version. That's a collection that builds up fast <laughs> and gets really annoying. And it's always um, heavy duty. You know, it's always something really thick material or long or has long sleeves or cuffs around the it's always very fat and takes up a lot of room and so yeah that's an unintentional collection too that maybe you should make a process of giving it away thinking about how you can give it away you wear it for a season and you give it away because you know that next year another one's coming <clears throat> admit that you were grateful for that flannel last year <laughs> right when the, when the power went out for a day for and a two half days, right <laughs> and you were for a day and a half and now it's time to go joyce said i have an unintentional collection of filing boxes and storage containers that i bought for teaching and spent too much money on them to give them away they will be, they will be used once i reach that point in the decluttering stage I wonder if she means that she will be installing them when she starts um, decluttering. Yeah. And, okay. And if you, yeah. And I, and I guess, you know, if, if you're confident, if you have a high level of confidence that they are going to work, they're going to be useful for you with the materials you're organizing now, even if it's down the line a little bit, well then definitely, you know, you keep, keep those, but it's probably time for the reminder that, just because you spent a lot of money on something doesn't mean you should keep it. That's hundred <laughs> percent true. Uh, just think of it as you're blessing someone else with a storage solution that they can't afford. 
and, you know, send a few on if you need to. Oh, sorry. I think that people, all storage containers look useful. And like plastic store con storage containers in the kitchen, you know, you keep the uh, one that is made out of the butter dish, just like you keep the fancy one that you bought at the store. And so some storage containers that end up in your stash of storage containers are really accidental because they came with something else and they looked good or they seem sturdy or that's a good box or whatever. Um, if you're struggling to not give up storage containers, I would look through and see which ones did you not actually buy. There's probably some in there that you could let go of to make the collection smaller and easier to manage. And, and you can also wait on that project until you get to the place where you feel like you've installed and used most of them that you're going to use. Here's a great one that several people piped in on talenti gelato jars oh my god so useful and they're so durable it's like this is plastic that will survive a nuclear blast right but you know do you need a whole shelf full and and someone did mention they're great for uh like organizing doodads in a work you know in a, all, over your work table your your you know like ha little hardware things yes because it's a kind of jar where you could mount the lid to something and and screw it in um yeah but and also craft supplies and things if you can get the label off i think the label peels off so you have a clear container well that's no, so Tal funny talenti is just printed on the plastic is it printed? there's no yeah. yeah there's nothing that comes off so you still have to you still have a little bit of um you know obscuring of the contents by the printing yeah but true how funny is that? I love those Talenti jars and Penny uses them for large collections of beads. And thank goodness we don't eat it fast enough that we have 150, but you know, those, those jars are sacred <laughs> in our house so far. Yeah. I, I would have a <laughs> cabinet full if I had the budget. For space for it, that yeah. No, if I had the budget for that much Talenti, I love that stuff, <laughs> but it's kind of a, it's kind yeah. of a once in a while treat at Expensive $6 habit, a right? pint or whatever the heck it is. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, Marilyn said, I drink tea every day, but I've seen folks with pantries that are cluttered with so much started but not used up boxes of teas. And, and she added, I limit the variety until I've finished the one in my pantry. And that's a, that's a great point. You know, we've talked, we talked about that as, I, I don't, I don't think we've talked, we haven't talked about that today as, one of the ways we develop these collections it's you go to the store you get the you have an impulse for oh i want this new kind this new and then flavor. you bring it you bring it home and you add it to the ones you picked up the last five times right and in, and instead of sort of shop you know shopping from your own collection you keep adding more in in spite of the fact that you don't have the room well, and we are, we are seduced by infinite variety, right? And, and I guess we think that we have to have all that infinite variety that's at the store available to us at home so we can pick from the 25 or 30 options. But the truth is you can pick those options more slowly over time instead of having them all readily available at home. And so if you have two or three teas and you drink those 20 cups of tea, the tea bags that are in the box, and then you can go back and try a different flavor. And this is what I do with, with body wash as well. I don't have 47 body wash options in my house. I use the flavor that I have until it's gone and it takes a few months and then it's time to get a new scent. And so I create the variety as I use it up, not creating, I don't want to have 17 bottles of flavor in the shower with me. That's annoying. <laughs> And so I just use the one and, and if I have made a mistake and I don't like it, I suffer for two months until it's gone. And then I move on to the next one. Right. And you can do the same thing with tea and soft drinks and whatever it is that you want to have a bunch of variety for keep two or three, use them up. And when one's gone, then you get to try the new flavor. Yeah. It's probably well, not going anywhere. And tea is definitely more more volatile than the body the bath and body products tea you know really you should use certainly use it up within a year and and if you're probably real tea connoisseurs would say no no 
six months or something even right. shorter, you know, because it, it loses, it loses flavor. It loses fragrance. It'll, it just, you know, it oxidizes and it'll still be tea. It just won't be very, um, you know, tasty. It'll, yeah, it will just, yeah, it won't be as nice. It's <laughs> same with spices, right? Like some spices, right. you know, you can't keep them for 20 years. They, they don't still do or smell or taste the same way 20 years later. They'll, they'll be a much softer, worn down, um, anemic version of themselves after two decades. On that topic, Emily said, one of my unintended collections was spices. Mm -hmm. Two years ago, I pulled them all out from three or four different cabinets and had more than 200 different spice containers. Whoa. I, had, I had no idea I had so many. I designated one cabinet, picked my favorites, tossed some old ones, very good, and gifted the rest to four different recipients on my Buy Nothing group. Oh, and good job. And it's been pretty easy to maintain them now using the one cabinet as my container limit. That's excellent. That's excellent. And the idea that, you know, every kitchen and every chef spices is like you know buying beads for a beater right spicing is the infinite variety of ways that you can doctor a dish that you're cooking and so having an ever-growing collection is fabulous except no kitchen is infinitely expanding <laughs> so you really have to have the collection fit what you what space you have available and so if you've created you here's your container limit and you're using the ones that you like the most awesome and every once in a while, you'll go and buy a spice and try it and you won't like it. And you can gift it away quickly instead of waiting until you're back to 200 again. <laughs> that's pretty good, though. 200, that's a that's some significant number. That's, that's like really collecting, collecting seriously. spices. Seriously. That is a lot of spices. <laughs> so many people have chimed in about Talenti. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I need to invest in Talenti. It's apparently Talenti stock. Very, very popular. Right. It's good. Amelia said, my category I have way too much of are all the dental gift bags I get from the dentist. Oh, my God. And she says, I will follow the advice and take to women's shelters. That's a perfect thing to do with that, right? It's a travel size. It's still fresh in the package. I, I defy any person to use up all of the dental floss that the dentists give you you cannot <laughs> use it as fast as you get it i'm just it can't happen and i get that bag and sometimes i try to leave it behind and then they chase me down the hall giving it to me it's like no no you don't understand i do not need more of your little pieces okay fine <laughs> this this season um while i, I ran out of toothpaste i told you guys this story a few months ago i ran out of toothpaste and i was like fine i'm just going to use i'm not traveling i'm using up um, travel toothpaste at home for and it took me like two and a half months before i ran out of travel toothpaste and actually had to go buy toothpaste but i got rid of like 10 or 15 little stupid toothpaste <laughs> tubes and you know a few of them did not taste super great. Let me just tell you, they still brush my teeth, but they were nasty, but mostly they were fine and I used them and now they're gone and I do not have a huge collection. And it made me super happy to get to the end of that. I think that that's something that, you know, the toothpaste tube is still sealed. It has an expiration date on it and what they're giving you is fresh. So you take all that stuff and ziplock it and take it straight to a shelter where somebody can use it and use it right now. I usually take the toothpaste and in, in let my visit to the dentist trigger trading out my toothbrush and throwing the other one away. But if you uh, are using, maybe you're using a uh, electronic toothbrush or something that's water driven or whatever, and you're not using a regular toothbrush, then you can pass that on to um, redistribute. They're just, you know, they're just doing their, this is my dental advertising. These are the samples I get from the toothpaste company because I'm a dentist. They don't want them in the office either. So you can just help them redistribute them to somebody that needs them. Val, who's with us on Facebook, suggested it's a good idea to have a use it up or move it out challenge. That's a good idea. That's a really good idea. We will do that. I like it because that whole toothpaste thing, you cannot believe the satisfaction that I got. Every time I would throw another little travel thing away and be, ha, 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 ha. 
there's another one in the trash. And then I would go get another one out and there would be another one to use. And so I got great satisfaction in using it and laughing about throwing away the empty tube and getting to the end of the pile. It made me super satisfied to do that. And it was the easiest thing ever. I think we should do that. I will, we will take it under advisement. We will make that happen. <laughs> and Denise, be a tittle. Denise also on Facebook said, I buy one, this is on the wrapping paper topic. I buy one large bolt of white paper and wrap everyone's gift in it. I use markers or stickers to decorate the gift. It's only looked at for a few minutes before it's torn off anyway. Right, exactly. Which is a good point. And so the, I don't even think the freshness matters that much. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know, we're all, we are all captured by the pretty glitterness and the lovely print. And it isn't that they aren't making lovely products because they are the stuff that's available is always super beautiful, but anyone, I challenge anyone over the age of 20 to tell me that they don't have a whole bunch of wrapping paper tucked in a corner somewhere that's not getting used up. If you can't use it, it, or if you don't like wrapping paper, or you like using gift bags, then, you know, donate that stuff away, make that stuff disappear. It is always available for somebody else. There's always people that like, they're going to do a fundraiser where they wrap gifts to raise money for fill in the blank, or that they, they used to do that at um, like a pet shelters and they would wrap the gifts and you'd spend the $5 and then they would, you know, the money would go for the the animals or whatever there's always somebody doing some kind of gift wrap thing and you can give them the gift wrap and let them use it oh make it a project make it a project to figure out where that stuff can go and get used agatha says i tend to keep things that i think i can use for art supplies or in the garden yeah well what can you what what do you want to say about that it i mean you know it's that's the artist in you saying yeah. it's all useful. It can all be used. That's correct. And you have to remind yourself um, it could all be used, but it doesn't all have to be used by you. You can send that possibility off to some other artist, some other person, some other place and let somebody else try to use it instead of you. And you have to balance your supply against your life expectancy. And um, your capacity in your house. <laughs> that too. Oh, he, now here's a great comment. Anya says, I've collected cat hair from my kitties in a cloth bag to finally make it into a warming pillow. Somebody once joked it was making an allergy pillow. <laughs> it is making an allergy pillow. I, I could wow. sm smother my nephew in about 30 seconds with such a, <laughs> such a pillow. So, um, perhaps after you have the volume to make the <laughs> pillow, you're going to have to wash the hair first to get rid of the dander that's attached to it. Oh, who's going to sleep on the pillow? Is the pillow for the pets or is the pillow for you? That's the question. Yeah. Yeah. Claire says, I have three lovely unintended collections. One is a hat box filled with posh hotel toiletries, which I keep thinking I will use and never do. Second is samples from department store cosmetics, it's cosmetic uh, counters. The best one is a collection of perfume samples from European travels. I probably have a hundred small vials of super posh perfume samples. I did donate these items from previous versions of these collections, but I keep repeating the same behavior. Stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. <laughs> you know the collection is bigger than you can possibly use. You know that not all those scents will work with your own chemistry. That's the nature of perfumes. Like some of them smell great on one person and they smell vile on someone else. And so unless you're putting perfume on every day and you're trying to use those little vials up like I was using the toothpaste tubes up, then you are just drowning yourself in new collections that someone is going to have to do something with when you go. Perfume is even more unstable than spices. That stuff turns on a dime. And so you may go put it on six months from now or six years from now, and it will no longer smell like it started out to smell. <clears throat> Those fragrances and the essences that make that fragrance are so unstable. It's very unlikely that that original scent 
profile will remain after some short period of time. So don't be dawdling. Either figure out a way to use it or you need to re-gift again. It's time to give that stuff away. Women's shelters, I don't know how else to tell you to get makeup and shampoo and perfume out of the house except to make a million little packets of it, make a little Ziploc bag with some scent, some makeup, some body wash and take those Ziploc bags off to a shelter somewhere so they can give them out immediately. Craig busted himself by saying, we still have a giant roll of wrapping paper hidden in the back of the closet that is only Santa paper. And our youngest of four is 19. (laughs) (laughs) And I bet it's like 500 feet or something, right? It's like (laughs) those rolls that are super huge. That is like, you could print a, a daily edition of a newspaper on it and never run out. Oh my God. Yes. Okay. So that one, you need to go find, like, here's the church that is wrapping gifts for everybody or someplace that is going to, has a big wrapping project that needs that volume of paper because no single person ever does need that yeah. much paper. Toys, not, does, not toys for tots, <clears throat> does Toys for Tots take paper? <clears throat> well, that's a good question because they don't, Usually they want the gifts unwrapped. They want unwrapped gifts, but then that's because I think they want to, you know, make sure. Do they actually wrap them? I I don't know. I would think maybe so, but that they're making them, you know, they want to see them unwrapped so they know they're age appropriate and unused and And clean and all that stuff. I'm not sure. Well, that would be something I would be on the lookout for someone that could use volume, someone that's going to be doing a whole bunch of wrapping paper um, because no regular household needs 300 feet of wrapping paper and it's just sitting in your closet dying so you might as well find some place for it to go somebody that can use it and you know they're going to have to keep it for several years too because they're not going to want to wrap 500 gifts in the exact same paper they're going to try to spread it around too so it's going to take them a while to use it up as well so you might as well get rid of it now and let them get started on that i love that the kid is now the santa paper is now you know, the Santa recipient is 19. That's awesome. Greg, I love that story. (laughs) Are you ready for our tittle? I think I am. Did we get all the way down our list? We did. Thank you. Let me make a couple of other announcements first. I wanted to shout out to Liz, who is with us live for the first time and is a Patreon supporter. So thank you, Liz, for your support and for being here with us today. I also want to say a special thank you to Julie for becoming our newest Patreon supporter. If you would like to help support our efforts with a recurring monthly donation of any size, please visit cfhou.com slash Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Your contributions help us offset the cost of producing the weekly webcast and will help us fund new projects that we have in the works. Thank you for your support, Julie, Liz, and all of our generous underwriters. Thank you. We appreciate you. And yes, it costs a lot of money to produce this. It's a little bit of work. Okay, go ahead with the tittle. Okay, so this week's tittle is called the unexamined stash. And we want to focus on uh, the assignment is to identify, clarify and manage an unintentional collection. So we want you to focus on those. So let's search your home for any unintentional collections that have sprung into being. This step might entail gathering some related items from a few places around the house where they've settled and bring them into one spot to review. Reflect on what habits or behaviors are contributing to the growth of the collection. Is there a shift you could make that would break the pattern of unwanted accumulation? Does the collection include things that you love, need, or use frequently? If not, then maybe you want to consider letting the whole collection go somewhere. For any set of items that you've identified as containing items of value, you want to review and thin this collection by removing the junk or unneeded duplicates or your least favorite elements to shrink the collection down to what you would really want to have out of it. Assign a place or design a storage solution to contain the reduced collection to make it neat and accessible and out of the way when not in use. So I'm based on the things that we were talking about today, I'm thinking that you're going to go and look at these unintentional collections. And most of them are unintentional. You don't want to use them. You don't love them. 
And you just need to go the extra step to figure out where the stuff is going to go and let it move on out of your life. But there may be some unintentional collections like the lady that's collecting the hotel stuff and the perfume and she really likes them. And so uh, maybe she can slow down on her accumulation of the collection by changing her behaviors around how and what she takes away from hotels or the makeup counter or the perfume counter. And then she can shrink it again down to the scents that she likes or the lotions that she likes to feel of. Like let's thin that hurt a little bit based on down to the stuff that you actually would want to use. And then maybe the collection will be smaller and you can find, you know, you have the hat box that you put the stuff in. Maybe you want to go to a smaller box <clears throat> so that you have a reduced foot footprint to help you keep in mind that it's a collection that needs to be thinned and churned all the time. And if you are keeping things that you um, think that you want to use, then you need to figure out a plan to actually use them. Don't just accumulate them for the fun of it. Um, you actually want to figure out, I've got this collection of Talenti containers. I don't just want to put them in this, in the cabinet. <laughs> I actually want to figure out what I'm going to use them for and go use them for that. Because at some point you'll have all the containers you need for your hardware in the garage or your, you know, large bee collections in the craft room or the pom-poms and paper cutouts in your craft supply, and you're not going to need another 30 of them. So deploy what you have, the, <laughs> the collections, use them. And if at some point when you reach capacity, then notice that you've reached capacity and start figuring out the alternative solution for the rest, right? Where they're going to be shunted off new. That's the plan. Let us know how it goes. We will wait patiently to hear how you dispose of your unintentional collections. Um, Samudra mentioned one other kind that, uh, that I, I don't think we covered, which is uh, all the charities that you give to send you premiums for joining T-shirts, bags, yes. paper, you know, paper tablets, notepads, mouse pads. Does anyone still need a mouse pad? I want to remind everybody that we're, we'll be back next week. And we're finally getting a break from summer heat. So it's time to get outdoors. For those of us who struggle with clutter, our outside spaces can become blocked with junk instead of supporting our outdoor aspirations. In our next episode, we're going to talk about the kinds of clutter that spill out of your house and into your garage, patio, balcony, shed, storage unit, etc. And we'll share some ideas for making those spaces useful again. Join us on September 28th for The Great Outdoors, Organize Your Garage, Balcony, Patio, or Shed. If you're watching this on YouTube, we'd love for you to join us live. To get notifications about upcoming events, we invite you to join the meetup group by visiting cfhou.com meetup. It's called the Houston Clutter Coaching Meetup, but we have members all over the world, so don't Everywhere. be put off. <clears throat> yes. You can also follow us on Facebook by visiting cfhou.com Facebook or subscribe to our mailing list by visiting cfhou.com slash subscribe. We love to hear from you. So please send us your questions, comments, and topic suggestions on YouTube, Facebook, or anywhere that you find us, including our contact form on the website. We've been getting more, more input that way recently, and it's nice to see. Mm -hmm. And you can always reach us through our website at clutterfairhouston.com. Thank you guys so much for coming. We appreciate that you're here every week and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye-bye.